0: Hello everyone, my name is Drew Tippett and I am the host of The Musicians Muse, a platform where musicians get to tell the stories they want to tell and connect with their fans. just heard Vandaliers on their track, The Native. Vandaliers are a band from Dallas, Texas, and recently signed to Bloodshot Records, where we recorded this episode. On the episode, I spoke with Josh, their lead singer, Corey, a multi instrumentalist, and Dustin, their electric guitarist who joins the show later. We chatted about Josh's background and his previous band, The Fuss, how Vandaliers came together. Their songwriting process for their third record, Forever, the album covers, and a few of their songs. This is the story of Vandaliers.
1: I'm Joshua Fleming. I play guitar and I sing.
2: Uh, I'm Corey Graves. Mm -hmm. I play the piano and the trumpet and sing. Mm -hmm.
1: You do that. (laughs) You do. Uh,
2: We have uh, Mark, who's my old whiskey folk buddy, uh, Mark Moncrief. He plays the bass.
1: And then we have Dustin Fleming, who's like my... Buddy from the metal scene in DFW, and he plays lead guitar, and he's amazing. And my snoog, Travis uh,
2: Curry, on the fiddle. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not a violin, because he's uh, spilled multiple beers on it.
1: And there's whiskey on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then Guyton Sanders, the the great Guyton Sanders on drums. The biggest drums I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I started music... I don't know, I always count... Starting my music career, not with the practicing or the hobbyist side of it, but when I played my first show. So it's New Year's Eve, two thousand one, uh, and my band, my eighth grade band, played a show at a roller rink, and it was really really fun we played with three local bands and i remember having this moment where i called my buddy ryan and i was all like dude we're not a we're not a garage band anymore we're a local band but like 2001 new years is really i'm glad i started on new years cuz every year i'm all like it's like this new years will be 19 years <laughs> and i just like minus 1 every every year and i know exactly how long i've been playing music but like i sang when I, in church when i was a kid um I was in choir in high school and middle school. I, uh, let, my, got my first guitar when I was about 10 from my uncle and then he passed away. And that kind of motivated me to pick up the guitar. And so I learned like a couple of blink songs, a couple of green day songs. And then I was like, oh, I'm a songwriter. Um, and then I, it really helped me out because I used it as an outlet to kind of get through all of the weird adolescent feelings and stuff. And I was playing sports, but I wasn't super into it. You know, I, it got too competitive once I got to high school and music just started becoming way more of a passion than anything. So uh, that's kind of how I had my start. And I started a band because uh, me and my friends were, we were out on spring break and uh, I met up with these, other punk kids and we all liked the same bands and I went over to their band practice and I brought my guitar and then I ended up kicking everyone out but the bass player and and then I got a drummer and I was like, okay, I got like 20 songs, let's do it. I was a barber in Dallas. I had my own shop and Corey started becoming one of my clients and uh, his wife was also one of my clients and one day I was like talking to Corey. I was all like, I just wrote a bunch of country songs. It was really fun. I kind of like it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll start a new band. And I'd then my your friends to be in it and not you. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> not what I meant though. And then Corey's wife comes in the other uh, the next day and she's like, why isn't Corey in your country band? Why didn't you invite Corey to your band press? I was like, I didn't know he wanted to be in a band with me. I just, I love him. He's so good. I thought he was a writer. I don't know. He's in Whiskey Folk Ramblers. And then I just ended up like with uh, three members of Whiskeyville Ramblers in the band, <laughs> and uh, it was it was really really cool how everything kind of fell into it. And like Corey is I don't know like what's your take on that whole thing? Uh,
2: whatever was supposed to happen happened, and I think uh, everyone in here has been in a bunch of bands before, and everyone's been in a lot of situations and. That have been crappy, and we've all made a lot of mistakes uh, and been in a lot of bands where all the band members made a lot of mistakes and bad decisions. Not as far as like doing drugs and stuff, but like business decisions.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, Lord knows you can do drugs and pull this off. (laughs) (laughs) It's not that hard. When we started this we were like, uh, you know, uh, let's do everything
2: opposite. Opposite of everything we've done in every band we've ever been in. Yeah. Uh, And let's not like hate each other.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the biggest part. I was in a band that, like, would fist fight and stuff. Like, by the time it got to a three-piece, like, my bass player, my drummer, and I, it was always two dudes were happy, one dude was pissed, you know? And then that majority rules mentality was such a cancer in that band. And, like, these are two of my favorite people in the world, you know? Like, we're still friends. And I call them and talk to them as much as I possibly can. And I love playing music with them. It was just one of those things where, like, the music was aggressive and the music was volatile and the music was uh, violent and angsty. And so, in turn, because I'm feeling all those things and I'm putting them in my music, that's also the way the band acts you know and our last show we got through two three songs and then my drummer just started throwing drums at me when I and I fell down and uh this is the end of the band um and that's how we broke up I had a bloody nose and like all this stuff and it was like fuck yeah that's like exactly how I wanted the fuss to break up (laughs) you know like that's exactly how I like that band to be um and we did a reunion show and it was really great it was fun people came out and we had a great time and I got to scream again (laughs)
2: yeah I saw a tweet that the next morning I was like I think I just saw the fuss
1: break up on stage yeah I know it was so brutal I saw a video of it and it's hard to watch it's really bad I'm like singing a note and then I'm rocking out and then I fall down like Tyler style and then it's game on for Trey Trey and you remember his big ass drums too like dude he had big drums and like he took his floor tom and like (laughs) <laughs> I love Trey, that dude is a strong man. That thing went straight into my nose. yeah, the next yeah it ever. was busted up. I thought it was broken, but um I don't know, like I think that what we do now is just a little bit more healthy,
2: a little more tasteful,
1: yeah, um, every person in this band isn't my brother, they're my best friend and my gang member, so like it's not a me versus them or a me competing with them it's me protecting them and them protecting me from everybody else so like uh I would much rather like in my other bands they would love other bands and hate our band whereas in this band not saying that we hate other bands or anything like that but we're just we are totally fine with just us in a room and being totally cool with that and then if other people want to hang out that's awesome but our first priority is our band members and I think that our helps dudes. and it
2: translates to like those nights when like two people show up to the show we'll do the same show because I think we're pretty stoked just to play with each other yeah we're just playing
1: for each other at this point yeah. so like the, the, Dustin will do a solo and Corey will do a solo and then I'll try to hit a higher note than I usually hit just because my friends are the best musicians I've ever played with, and we push each other. Always, between Corey and I, if we haven't written the song together, we've either wrote stuff separately, and then we all just throw it in. Like, on the last record, we just threw it all into a big pile, and then we all kind of figured out what we're, what's right for what we need to do. Uh, my favorite thing is, like, the little... My little personal references in 16 years, like I say, like I was a preacher's son, which is actually a reference to my band, The Fuss, uh, and I played a poor man song that no one, no one would hear, which is a reference yeah. to Bottom Dollar Boy, which was on our first record that no one heard, and so we re-recorded it for Bloodshot, and now it's on that record.
2: A few people have heard it,
1: and now a few people have heard it, and I'm really excited about yeah. it. But like, I wanted to not lose what we did on the Native, but I wanted to expand upon it. And I wanted to introduce the band as this unit and this thing. Um,
2: Everyone had like a hand in it, too. like Yeah. Uh, Mark's a really great arranger. He's got a really good ear for
1: that stuff. Um, Dustin's a fucking genius with, yeah. with theory and helped us uh, notate all of the, yeah, the horn parts. For, yeah, the horn and fiddle parts so that we could... And we wrote those in the mountains on a a tour we were doing a three-piece tour and dustin every time we do a three-piece tour like we did with like marty stewart and liam womack and stuff and it was really really fun um and dustin comes along and he's a phenomenal musician but he's also a really really good dude to have on the road when if even if he's not playing and we took that time knowing that all four of us were going to be in the same room and we're all pretty creative and we took that time to really lock down trumpet and fiddle parts for the for the album and it ended up where there was a shitload of trumpet and fiddle parts for songs. We had first record had like two songs with trumpets and fiddle. Mm-hmm. Second album had like three or four ish, like three and a half. Yeah. Um, and then this one has like fucking six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it worked out that way. I don't know if we'll ever make a record like that again, but if we do, it's really fun. And we loved doing that. If I can go ride them in the mountains, i every yeah. record. will have trumpet and fiddle parts.
2: But yeah, I think everyone with this one was more comfortable uh, speaking up and voicing opinions and things. Like now, we all know each other really well, and we'll call each other out on bullcrap and whatever. Yeah,
1: or and also we respect each other, so criticism is not disrespectful. Right. Like it. It's okay to say like I think that could be a better line. Hi, Dustin. How you feeling? Kind of drunk. Fuck yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, so Dustin was helped us notate everything and it started as um started as a trumpet and fiddle part and then the fiddle parts turned into trumpet parts and the trumpet parts turned into fiddle parts. Uh, tunings changed, Mark wrote a fiddle part, you know, like, everybody had a hand in it, so...
2: The bass player wrote a fiddle part.
1: Yeah, exactly, and then uh, Guyton brought in, like, 20 snare drums and figured out the best drum, the snare drum sound, and the. it just turned into a really... I think the reason it came out so great was because it wasn't just me being like well I think that this thing is the thing you know because I don't know anything about music theory I'm just a writer you know I'm my whole thing is I'm sensitive and I like to you know talk about my feelings and then I'm working with the greatest musicians I've ever worked with and I can kind of give my little three minute punk rock songs to them and then it comes out as this Really, really, really great. Yeah, it thing. turns into Shoshone Rose, Southern Rock, <laughs> like, Funky thing. Yeah. Well, I had walked in and I was like, I had just smoked a joint. and I was like, I don't know, play something Funky or something. And then I like, walked out. And then like I come back and it's like the greatest riff I've ever heard. Uh, or maybe it was like a week later. No, it was like. Or or was it like that? Minutes later, yeah. Like I don't know, just play something Funky or something. Like that's that's.
2: smoke a cigarette, he comes back in. Shoshone Rose is like written. Yeah, it was great. Great. It was a Tuesday
1: in Wyoming On the way to
0: After discussing their songwriting and Dustin joining us, we moved into talking about their three albums, Amerikinda, The Native, and their most recent album, Forever. We also discussed the album covers of both The Native and then Forever. So feel free to take a look at the covers either on their website or on Spotify before the discussion. Finally, we finish with a few of their stories. Uh, I'm a sucker for
1: concept records, even though I don't, go out of my way to write concept records. So then I just try to find a, a way to tell a story. And and honestly, like most of my life is going like wanting to leave home and then wanting to come home and then everything in between. And so like if Americanda is about my travels out East with the fuss, which most of it is along with some fictional shit and some motorcycle stories. And then the native is mostly about Texas and is all about Texas, and really, it's not even about all of Texas. It's about our our neighborhood and our city. Uh, our first bass player, Jack Russell, his kid Ollie uh, was the uh, was the was the kid. So that album was about me growing up, kind of. And so, like, I really wanted like a a youth thing. But I also I really like the idea of an album cover of like you should be able to hear the music when you see it um so punk rock vest little cowboy hat and a kid was definitely like uh you know nostalgic cowpunk i really wanted him to be involved and like i kind of uh i don't know what happened i think there was like a day where i had this idea and then i asked jack to just take a picture of his kid and send send it to me uh like that and then we 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 got the photo and that was like our demo fo- folder photo and it was like the same fucking picture, just like done shitty. iPhone version. Of it was that. an iPhone version of it, but it was cool, and it was like exactly. It, it just all, it was already there, and then with like forever. Um, the same photographer that did the, the album cover for the native Mike Brooks has been photographing me for like the last twelve years, so um, he's my photographer that I always go to uh and so on this one he we took all these photos and then we didn't use any of them and then he just like took this picture of a railroad track the other day and i was all like oh that's cool and then i like at the end of it we sent everything to the graphic designer and i was all like i have no idea i'm just so i'm so burnt on everything like we've worked s- for so long and so hard on this like i'm like At this point, I'm just, like, uh, crying for help, and I'm fried. And then it comes back, and it's this uh, upside-down railroad track that makes a giant V, and I was like, fuck! so cool! (laughs) Thank you! So, I don't know. It's all group effort. This is West Coast. Yeah, because I talk a lot about Colorado and Wyoming and Montana and California and stuff like that, and, like... Uh, one of my favorite lines is, uh, in miles and miles it's on the bridge and it says we didn't sleep till California. True story. Our first tour was one of the hardest fucking tours I've ever been on in my life. We went from, I was a dumbass and I booked one more show than we really needed to at the beginning. Hey, cause we were going with a different drummer because Guyton couldn't make it because of work at the time. No big deal. So I had Trey from my last band fill in and, uh, we, we needed to practice, so we played Amarillo, drove... Uh, Lubbock. Oh, Lubbock. Yeah. Blue Light. Love the Blue Light, by the way. Uh, So we played the Blue Light, Uh, and then we had to drive overnight to Montrose, Colorado. Of
2: course, we stayed there until, like, two, drinking burn shots. Word. So we, we leave the bar at two.
1: We leave the bar at two to drive overnight. We get to Montrose, Colorado to play a festival. We get there right at load-in, sound check, eat play, load out, and leave and drive from Montrose, Colorado to uh, Mammoth Lakes, California overnight. So we got there just in time to unload d- load, play. play and, and then literally did not sleep, sleep for three dogs. days. We slept for about two hours in Trinidad in a Walmart parking Oh, that's true. Yeah. I and mean, maybe took a nap at a hotel. We took a nap at a, at, we took an hour nap at an hour stab in, in Utah in the middle of the desert. like three hours and 48 hours. Right? Yeah. No, 72, 72 hours. 72.
2: We were the show was over and it's like great we can finally go to bed and then somebody goes well this bar across the street has a deal where if you buy a Coors Light you get a free shot of Fireball and we're like all right what <laughs> we'll sleep more dead I guess we all just stumble over like in a haze and then as soon as we get there everybody's like. Trying to buy us Coors lights and,
1: and not trying, they did. Yeah, we had a table we had full a of table, beers, like 30 Coors lights, and just
2: shot. We're trying, we, oh, and we were, we we're like three miles up, or yeah. however, what not three miles, what, what's the fucking altitude up there? It was like uh, 8,000 like, feet or I think something. I was supposed to
0: eight, ten thousand
2: 10,000
1: feet. Yeah.
0: Oh, I had and
2: alcohol to... hit super hard.
1: They were like, Hey, be careful drinking, you're up really high. We're like, We're, fucking we're, fucking whatever. we're from Texas, we can do anything wasted. Uh we got n- eight, n- nine or seven noise complaints at the uh the suite that they've got us and I'm so sorry. Kind of it was really fun.
0: Uh I out of an indoor window.
1: Yeah, <laughs> onto a onto a couch a story below. It got, got fun. I went outside to smoke a joint and got lost outside of the front door. Standing right in front. right standing right in front. I'm like Dustin,
0: where am I? They, they call me Scream Whispering.
1: Scream Whispering, which is Dustin. Dustin, I don't know
0: where I am. So I go to the front door and open the door, and they're right there. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but you know what? And then you play miles and miles every night, and that's what you think
1: about. I do, uh, yeah, and so like those are uh, like, I, and that's the fun part about like not. I love fictional songs; they're really great. I love like inventing characters and going on this adventure that never happened, but. It's really, really, really fun to get to write about these experiences, Um, even if it's just kind of, you know, through the side. I wrote Miles and Miles on our first old 97s tour. Uh, The first line of that song is my hometown's where the wind stops, which is what Native Americans... The reason why Native Americans didn't settle in Fort Worth, which is my hometown, um, because they thought the wind stopped there and that they would get trapped. And I always have this wanderlust of wanting to leave town, even though, like, where I live is fucking great and I love it and I love my family and all that stuff. But it's just kind of ingrained into my being that I love to travel and I like to get out and I never want to be, like, stuck. Sixteen years singing that song to an empty room fucking sucks. But that's kind of what the song's about. Yeah. So it's like... And that's exactly what the it's song's about. That's the perfect about. song to it's play, song an to, play to an empty room. So, but yeah, that one... That it's one like, that one jabs me in a, the side a little bit.
2: There's nobody in here now, but 16 more years there will. Be. <laughs> uh, there will, maybe.
1: You just gotta keep doing... Playing the empty rooms for 15 more, more years. years. Yeah. 15 more years, folks. The emotion comes out when I write it. And then... Sometimes I think people keep the artist hat on a little too long and it that's the reason that they implode. And so sometimes I take, like, once the emotion's done and I've written the song and I love the song and I like the song enough to show someone else and then from there, they liked it enough to tell me to record it. Once we get into that process, dude, artist hat, once it's done and it's pressed, artist hat comes off. And now it's like Your inter- hat. it's my salesman hat because now I liked I like the song enough to borrow money from somebody, you know, like I need to go sell it and, you know, perform it and entertain people and like play it the best of my ability. Then my musician hat really comes on. And it's like, how can I I got to play the song like exactly right all the time and like have fun and do it. And I don't know. There's just so many layers to all this shit. Um, it's not cut and dry. Yeah, there's some, ta- there's some times where I'm really bummed out, and like "Fallen Again" is a great song to sing at that point on stage. Um, but I'm not really bummed out that minute many- that much on the road because it's like the best fucking thing I've ever done in my life, and I'm super lucky. So I don't know. Yeah, uh,
0: <laughs> I've I've gotten teary-eyed playing "Cigarettes in the Rain."
1: Yeah, because it's so crazy. Because you're so throw away an unimportant all the time and then someone cared enough to memorize your lyrics? What the fuck? And then sing it. like Have the balls to sing it in public with a bunch of other people that also had the balls to sing it in public. So it's just... I don't know. It's a trip. Like, why... Why are you going to be sad about it? I'm just like... That's the most awesome thing. It's the most most awesome thing in the world. Nothing can compare to that. So... I don't know. I think that if in that realm, yeah, I really like Bottom Dollar Boy as the closer. I will, I, at this point in time, I usually try to put a new song first in the set. Uh, you know, and right now we're doing Miles and Miles, which I, I love. It's such a cool intro to the album and it's a cool intro to the show and it's, it's welcoming. It's not, we're not getting super abrasive, but, next song is immediately the most abrasive thing we we've written um but like closing out with bottom dollar is really fun because then i get i get to like talk about where we're from and it was the first song that i wrote where you know it was the first song with the band that we rehearsed it's just it's where it all started and i'm glad that it's on this new record but it's uh i love closing with that song it's really fun
0: listening to today's episode of The Musician's Muse. Stay tuned for more content in the future and be sure to check out Vandaliers on both Spotify and iTunes.